Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website and give them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. She's now back here on the Paradise Coast. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden, my wife, will be joining us. Uh, she writes greetings from Paradise. We'll find out what's on her mind as well today. It is November the 2nd, and on this day in 1947, the Hughes Flying Boat, at one time the largest aircraft ever built, was piloted by designer Howard Hughes on its first and only flight, built with laminated birch and spruce, hence the nickname the Spruce Goose. The massive wood aircraft had a wingspan longer than a football field and was designed to carry more than 700 men to battle. Howard Hughes was a successful movie uh, Hollywood movie producer. When he founded the Hughes Aircraft Company in 1932, he personally tested cutting-edge aircraft of his own design and in 1937 broke the transcontinental flight uh, time record. In 1938, he flew around the world in a record three days, 19 hours, and 14 minutes. Following the U.S. entrance into World War II in 1941, the U.S. government commissioned the Hughes Aircraft Company to build a large flying boat capable of carrying men and materials over long distances. The concept would become the Spruce Goose, was originally conceived by the industrialist Henry Kaiser, but Kaiser dropped out of the project early, leaving Hughes and his small team to make the H-4 a reality. Because of wartime restrictions on steel, Hughes decided to build his aircraft out of wood laminated with plastic and covered with fabric. Although it was constructed mainly of birch, the use of spruce, along with its white-gray color, would later earn the aircraft the nickname Spruce Goose. It had a wingspan of 320 feet and was powered by eight giant propeller engines. Development of the Spruce Goose cost a phenomenal $23 million and took so long that the war had ended by the time of its completion in 1946. The aircraft had many detractors and Congress demanded that Hughes prove the plane airworthy. On November 2, 1947, Hughes obliged taking the H-4 prototype out into Long Beach Harbor for an unannounced flight test. Thousands of onlookers had come to watch the aircraft taxi on the water and then were surprised to see Hughes lifted his wooden behemoth 70 feet above the water and flew for a mile before landing. Despite its successful maiden flight, the Spruce Goose never went into production, primarily because critics alleged that its wooden framework was insufficient to support its weight during long flights. Nevertheless, Hughes who became increasingly eccentric and withdrawn after 1950, refused to neglect what he saw his greatest achievement in the aviation field. From 1947 until his death in 1976, he kept the Spruce Goose prototype ready for flight in an enormous climate-controlled hangar at a cost of a million dollars a year. Today, the Spruce Goose is housed at an Evergreen Aviation Museum in McBenville, Oregon. Never heard of McMinnville and actually lived in Oregon. So, nevertheless, it's there. And uh, we can see uh, videos of the flight back in 1947. An amazing accomplishment by the very eccentric Howard Hughes. 
Okaya County reported a uh, higher number of coronavirus cases in the week ending Sunday, adding 187 new cases. That's up nearly 8% from the previous week uh, tally of 173. More like a rounding error, quite frankly. Like COVID patients admitted in the state, last week there are 2,951 patients admitted to hospitals. Uh, The week before that, 3,195, and four weeks ago, 5,380. So hospitalizations are going down, and that probably has a lot to do with the reduction in the number of cases statewide. Right now, we are the lowest state in the nation in terms of, or the best, we'll call it the best, the state in the nation in terms of infections per 100,000 of residents. And we're seeing the rate of hospitalization going down, probably because of the uh, antibodies that have been made available made available by the governor. Senator Joe Manchin said Monday he won't be, be pressured into supporting a $1.75 trillion expansion of the nation's safety net and urged House progressives to pass a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill in the interim. Manchin's declarations and the usually strong language he used in making them shows Democrats are no closer to passing the two bills the House leaders had hoped to move this week and President Biden has said he will defy. Will said he will, it will define his presidency. Holding the infrastructure bill hostage is not going to work in getting my support for the reconciliation bill, Manchin said. As more of the real details of the basic framework for the reconciliation bill are released, what I see are shell games, uh, budget gimmicks that make the real cost of the so-called 1.75 trillion dollar bill estimated to be almost twice that amount if you extend it permanently, said Manchin. While I've worked hard to find a path to compromise, it's obvious compromise is not good enough for a lot of my colleagues in Congress. It's all or nothing, and their position doesn't seem to change unless we agree to everything, he said. Manchin addressed reporters in the Senate briefing room at lawmakers returned to Washington after last week's frenzied activity surrounding both bills. House progressives feared Manchin and Senator Kirsten Sinema would gut the reconciliation bill. They vowed to withhold their pivotal block of votes the infrastructure bill unless senators either first pass the safety net bill or give public commitments they will do so. In his remarks, Manchin said he had concerns about the bill's uh, bigger effect on inflation and increasing the federal debt, so he wants more time to study its specifics and determine their precise cost. It's time our elected leaders in Washington, all of us, stop playing games with the needs of American people and holding a critical infrastructure bill hostage. I'm open to supporting a final bill that helps move our country forward, but I'm equally open to voting against a bill that hurts our country, he said. In a statement, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the House plan is fully paid for, will reduce the deficit, and brings down costs for health care, child care, elder care, and housing. I wonder how many Pinocchios she gets for that comment. Anyhow, Experts agree 17 Nobel Prize-winning economists have said it will reduce inflation. As a result, we remain confident that the plan will gain Senator Manchin's support, she added. I don't think so. Hopefully, this bill is doomed for failure. Let's hope. Well, Virginia's Democrat gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe abruptly canceled his event in Virginia Beach the day before the election, sparking further speculation on the degree of behind-the-scenes panic with the McAuliffe campaign less than 24 hours before polls opened. He spent the weekend campaigning in Northern Virginia and his Republican challenger Glenn Yonkin, who's been surging in the polls in the race's final stretch as events scheduled in Virginia Beach on Monday 
However, a spokesperson for McAuliffe said the Democrats' Hampton Roads event had since been canceled. Now, you just don't cancel an event the same day unless you don't have high expectations for the outcome. Nobody was showing up. Last night, Yonkin had a couple thousand people show up at his events. Lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm. McCall's Virginia Beach cancellation also follows Friday's embarrassing tiki torch stunt, which involved Democrat operatives posing as white supremacists outside of Yonkin's bus holding tiki torches. Unbelievable. One of the individuals posing as such was black. The Never Trump Lincoln Project took credit for the hoax. I don't care who claims responsibility for it. It was done by Democrats, and that's absolutely beyond the pale in Virginia. It's not consistent with Virginia values. It's not consistent with anyone's values, Yonkin said, emphasizing the entire stunt sits at Terry McAuliffe's feet. It certainly does. Well, Virginia's statewide election coming close to on Wednesday, or today, and the ever-tightening governor's race between Governor Terry McAuliffe and Yonkin uh, there's also the bellwether midterms. Control of Commonwealth's House of Delegates also remains a ripe opportunity for Republicans to thwart the Old Dominion's leftward shift after two years of complete Democrat control. It's just amazing to see that, and hopefully with Yonkin's popularity, they really could carry the House. Now the Democrats have a majority. The Republicans just a couple of years ago had just a razor-thin majority in the House of delegates, but uh, apparently that is subject to change, especially if the down ticket races follow Yonkin's lead and they end up voting for the Republican. We just watch this. It's going to be such an interesting day. And by the way, a new survey shows former NFL star Herschel Walker is a big early lead in his bid to win the GOP primary for a Georgia Senate seat. A survey from On Message Incorporated of Republican political consulting firm shows 74 of state GOP primary voters said they would vote for Walker compared to 6% for his closest rival. The survey was conducted October the 11th to the 14th. That's pretty cool. Walker started, of course, at the University of Georgia before playing football for the Dallas Cowboys. GOP leaders were reluctant early to back Walker amid new coverage of past business dealings and domestic violence allegations. But he announced his bid in August with President Trump's support. The survey also shows 61% of self-described moderate Republican voters are backing Walker compared to 81% of conservatives. Walker will face Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock, who also was uh, with fellow Democrats John Ossoff, won runoff races in Georgia. So let's get Warnock out of there and get Herschel Walker in uh, to uh, the Senate, the United States Senate. Well, let's go, Brandon. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Tassadomo, our state senator, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harton, the host of the Bob Harton Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, 
Fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care? If they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to meet with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. I was just listening to the uh, ad for the Golden Gate Senior Center, and as I recall, you had something to do with the founding and starting of that organization. Well, you know, it actually goes way back. Uh, my dad, when uh, he was volunteering at the Senior Friendship Center, um, which does, um, you know, all kinds of health care, and um, he thought we needed to have uh, a place closer to where the population is, so he started talking about putting a, a, a senior uh, a senior center in Golden Gate that also had the ability to do um, medical care, you know, just just some primary care kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, small, not not like a doctor's office. But so that goes way back. And then <clears throat> I remember the uh, old Golden Gate Library was um, just sitting there empty because they built a new one, and we approached uh, the county. God, this must be ten, fifteen years ago. About. Uh, potentially uh, renting it from them, and then we're off to the races, and they've got a great board. That th- it's just unbelievable what uh, kind of um, 
facilities and programs and that they provide for our uh, senior population. And uh, it's a, it is a real senior center. It's fabulous. Yeah, no, I'm just so proud to have them now as a partner on the show. And, of course, uh, isolation is the biggest problem for seniors. As yes. slowly as time moves along, people become more and more isolated. This is a terrific resource for people in the community to get attached again and get involved, to have things to do, lots of programs. Right. So I'm uh, just really pleased that they, they've uh, joined us uh, at, on the show here. So the governor... That's great. That's the, great. Thank you, yeah. Kathleen. So your, the governor has now announced uh, the dates of a special session starting on November the 15th to the 19th, and I thought it'd be helpful for our listeners to get your reaction and thoughts. Well, um, the, the genesis of the, of the um, special session for the governor is a concern that the federal government was is about to, we're not really sure, but to issue uh, vaccine mandates across the board uh, for um, all, biz, you know, all private businesses, all public businesses, and uh, setting sort of draconian standards on penalties and the like. Uh, that would have been done through um, OSHA. So in order to forestall that, uh, the governor asked us to come into session when we are already going to be here for committee week. So uh, that would be the week after next because we were scheduled to be here to, you know, for, for committee's purposes, which, of course, we won't do right now. Mm-hmm. And to, then to um, basically uh, p- provide that we, the state of Florida, will not uh, tolerate vaccine mandates. Now, the devil will be in the details because there may be uh, some businesses that are very concerned about it and maybe some health care um, uh, you know, hospitals and the like, but they have different other protocols that they put in place. Like, for example, yeah, in, in, in the hospital, they may say, well, we'll give a, a vaccine mandate unless you wear PPE um, or be tested and those kind of options and alternatives. So that, that's all going to come, come up in mm. discussion the week after next. But the bottom line is um, in the state of Florida, we will not tolerate across-the-board vaccine um, mandates. Um, I love hearing you say that, Kathleen. (laughs) It's great to hear from you. It's great to hear that from you. Yeah, and there are two. um, This is not about masks. This is about vaccines. And the reason why um, I I feel strongly about mandates is that there are a lot of people that are, are not being vaccinated because they are concerned that the vaccines may negatively affect them. Particularly, I hear from younger women who are not sure that if they get the vaccine, will that affect their ability to have children right. or, and, and we don't know the answer to that. Yeah. So um, if we could provide alternatives um, to the mandate, I think that would be um, much more effective and, and more comfort, give more comfort level to our, our residents. The issue was going to be the, the difference between private business and government, uh, governmental entities and the like. All that's something that we're going to discuss uh, the week after next. Yeah, so interesting. I, I find it ironic that this discussion is taking place at the point where we have the lowest rate of uh, COVID infections uh, per 100,000 residents in the nation. <laughs> so uh, we're right. seeing the numbers start to plummet well, right now. This seems like a tempest in a teapot in some ways. It, uh, yeah, um, I agree, and I, and I think uh, the uh, federal government is watching closely what we do because, you know, in Florida, you know, we we go our own way, 
but we do it judiciously and thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be a lot of, uh, you know, uh, back and forth discussion when, it, when it's all said and done. I think whatever we do will be thoughtful. It'll, it'll be effective and it, uh, will provide clarity and comfort to our citizens who are concerned about vaccines and, and, and the like. Because there are people that are, and those people that just, uh, you know, say, I'm not going to do vaccine, you know, don't tread on me. That's also, a, you know, that's a position. So we need to be able to address all of that, and we will. That sounds great. Now, are there, is there any jeopardy? Or in other words, I'm sure this, the governor wouldn't call a special session, session sure, unless he was sure that you'd have support on this. Do you, are there any naysayers that say, oh, come on, we, we should have uh, vaccines for everyone, and uh, let's move on with this? I, that's a really interesting question. Uh, if we were talking about masks, that would be global thermonuclear war with Democrats and Republicans. But I believe that there are many Democrats who do, uh, even though this is a Biden initiative, are concerned for the same reasons that I mentioned earlier. Some people are concerned about the vaccine. Many people, actually, having a negative health consequences. Right. And that's a, a valid fear. There are also people that have religious um, uh, feelings about it. Uh, and there's some people that have already had COVID, and so they probably have antibodies. So there's a lot of uh, discussion that we should have, um, you know, to the alternatives to uh, uh, just a, uh, um, a mask mandate. The other thing, of course, is uh, that the, the governor's talking about OSHA and some of the problems we're having with them. I suspect that OSHA's going to look and see what we do. And, and, you know, maybe they'll even say, you know, Florida has a right. Let's go with Florida's, uh, well, we hope. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have next, uh, the, the week after next. But that's, uh, I feel very comfortable with us um, taking this up and, and moving forward. Well, I'm so grateful for your leadership, the leadership of the legislature, as well as the governor on this issue, because I think it's just insane to start making these types of edicts and mandates to a free people. Uh, people should be able to make up their right. own minds about their own health. Right. People care about the neighbors. I agree. They care about each other. They care about their families. So <laughs> they'll make good decisions. Exactly. So, well, thank you I for that. I think so, too. Before I let you go, uh, any comments at all on the this week up in uh, Tallahassee and what's happening with the committees? Um, the uh, uh, There's some confirmation hearings for <laughs> members of uh, some of the boards and commissions governors appointed that's, that's going on. Uh, in fact, my daughter's up for uh, confirmation hearing for her um, appointment to the Public Service Commission, and It'll be very interesting because I serve on the committee that's going to be, re- you know, reviewing her her application. So I'm just going to sit back quietly and watch. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> and, by the um, way. Yeah, thank you. And and uh, education committees are of course meeting, talking about initiatives and bills. And and I've been doing a lot of spending a lot of time with our budget uh, uh, staff because uh, you know starting next November I'm going to be responsible for the budget. So I'm doing budget 101, spending a lot of time. Uh, the history and, and the like. So that's that's uh, very educational, very interesting. And I'm sure you'll be ready. Um, Again, Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator, I'm so grateful that you took time with us today, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, Boo Mordson. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a brand new performing arts center in downtown Naples, it's going to be beautiful, but also putting on great productions. And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always the best ever to be back down in Florida. So I'm in my happy place. Yeah, isn't it wonderful when that warm air just envelops you when you get off the plane? <laughs> it's... Oh, my heavens. Yes, yes. It's just delicious. It's so wonderful to be down here. But what I wanted to talk about was, you know, I I brought this up to you and to some other people, and they kind of look at me blankly, but boy, I'm surprised at how much traction this is now getting, and it's called the metaverse. I don't know and, a thing about it, too. What's it all about? You know, I, I'll give you what they say, which is, seems to be a fairly good explanation, but I still don't get it. You know, I, I guess we're not techy enough to understand, but it is the stitching together of, of technologies, which is, would be video games, virtual reality, Zoom calls, cryptocurrency, and social media. Hmm. So 
how does that, how, I mean, how, what does that even mean? I guess with, you've got cryptocurrency involved, you're going to pay for it. But it's, what I've heard is that you go onto the internet and you're not just looking at the experience, you're actually in the experience. Hmm. So I don't play video games, but if you were to play a video game, you know, you have an avatar and you, I don't, it seems like all video games are about killing the opponents. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure that's not, but like say you're, you know, you're hunting somebody down and you, then you shoot them and then you get points. I think now it will be a much more immersive reality to it. Now, I don't think it all has to revolve around video games, but I, it, 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 this is big enough that Facebook is changing its name. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, this is huge. This is going to be here. They, and Facebook, I think, is, is going to envelop or uh, dedicate, what did they say, $10 billion to yeah. this? This is huge. It is big. You know, uh, I, I don't play video games, frankly, so I'm kind of out of the loop about that. The last video game I played had some guy named Mario and just <laughs> little, little yeah, dots. Yeah, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. But uh, uh, this, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. It just reminds me that I serve on the board of the Optima Foundation, which uh, does startups for charter schools here in Florida. It's a great organization, but they now have... Uh, we're uh, developing a virtual school where you put on these goggles. You've seen these goggles that you can wear during playing video sure. games. And you literally are participating in a classroom. You can talk to the teacher. The teacher's there. And you have an experience just as if you're in the classroom. But, in fact, you could be at your home. Isn't that just amazing? And, and That's, um, That basically is what the metaverse is. Yeah. Wow. So, I'm, so you put these goggles on, you're sitting at home, but you can transport you, you or your avatar, whoever you are, into a classroom, into a restaurant in Paris. Uh, hmm. it's, it's, wow. You know, I'm sure people thought that this is crazy when they first saw the Internet. You know, how is this going to work? I think this is the next sophisticated level of it. You, mark my words. They heard it here on this show. That's so interesting, you know, Booth. You, you say that you don't play games. Neither do I. But I'll tell you, we are in the minority. There is. There was a huge article in the Wall Street Journal uh, yesterday <clears throat> about a game called Roblox, R-O-B-L-O-X. And it went down. It went dark. I don't know if it was hacked into or whatever, but it went dark for, I think, mm. a day, and people were hysterical. But there are 48 million people. Hmm play this game, and do you know how much time they spent on playing a game? No. Four billion hours. Good gravy. Are you? That's just unbelievable. So people Four actually... Four billion hours. This is so big that, you know, Chipotle, the restaurant Chipotle, uh -huh. they have pledged to give away more than $1 million in burritos to Roblox users. There's a, Bob, you and I have been put out to pasture. Yeah, I would say so. I, I'm really out of the loop. Now, is there money involved in this game? Do you win or lose money, or is it just a matter of uh, no, the, the product? No, there's no cryptocurrency. There's none of that. It's just a game. Well, isn't that... And kids play it. You know, it's geared, of course, toward kids, and I guess parents play with their kids. And I guess people were hysterical when it went down. Uh, 
Mm. So you've got a kid that's spending hours and hours on a video game. Is that healthy? No, it's not healthy. Now, are you wearing these goggles? Are you having this virtual experience? Do you know? I don't believe that you're. I think it's an. I think it's a video. I think it's a, a video game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's immersive. I don't think it includes the goggles. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, this metaverse no. thing, this movement sounds very intriguing to me. It's the first time actually that I've discussed or even thought about the metaverse as a separate movement. I guess it's within the business community, isn't it? No, this is not within the business community. I think that this is what. Facebook and a lot of these really high-tech companies, Microsoft, Apple, I think that they envision this as the next platform. Like we think of Facebook and Instagram as social media. Uh In the years to come, you will think of Facebook and Instagram as a metaverse. That's intriguing. There's a whole different dynamic that's happening that is just now beginning to emerge. I think they, I think these tech companies have been working on this for years, and now it's just coming to the forefront. But since I started paying t- attention to it, I've seen three big articles in, in just the Wall Street Journal alone in the last two weeks about it. It's huge. Well, huge. there's a, a lot of commentators, uh, commentators spending a lot of time on the merging of artificial intelligence and human beings. Uh, and in the sense that the the concern is the ethical concern for uh, uh, this emergence of the of the of the two into uh, one type of entity or one type of uh, existence, and I've forgotten what they call that, but uh, I know that uh, Steve Bannon spends a lot of time on this. So apparently, there's a couple of sides to to this whole issue. In other words, it's not just fun, but it also becomes a way of life, a way to extend life into perpetuity. Well, and I think there'll be people that rather be in the metaverse than in the real world. You yeah. know, so I think you're going to get all those kind of people that will just submerge themselves into this, this virtual fake reality. Unbelievable. Boo Mortensen, like a box of chocolates. <laughs> I never know what we're going to get, but it's always good, Boo. I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. I think I'm going to learn more about the metaverse. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist in a society, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of resistance to that happening, for sure. But it's more than a fantasy. It's a goal. So... <laughs> Seton, uh, you wrote this column, which is really good and so uh, interesting. Barack Obama administration 2.0, Biden's awful FCC nominees. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, and I've actually since written this, since I wrote this, the usually spineless Republicans are actually showing some resistance to the one new nominee. Um, okay, let's do some some. FCC backgrounds, the Federal Communications Commission, it shouldn't exist anymore. The marketplace has almost entirely moved away from any relevance for the, for the commission, but of course, government bureaus never die. So they can, they, this thing shambles on. There are a few things it does that are helpful, but you can give it to the Commerce Department or the Defense Department or the Justice Department or the Federal Trade Commission. You know, there's plenty of other agencies to stash this stuff. And, and just have this thing go away. But it's not. So the full contingent of commissioners at the FCC is five, one of whom also acts as chairman. Uh, it's usually when a full contingent is in place, it's three of the president's party and two of the other. Well, it's been two-two because of retirements and ends of terms and such since before Biden was sworn in. So it's been a tie. So they can't vote to it impose any kind of unilateral, illegal <laughs> regulatory power grabs because uh, the two Republicans vote no and the two Democrats vote yes and it doesn't go anywhere. So mm. Biden's been really slow on this. I almost called this uh, column better never than late because everyone was yell- all the left was yelling at him for not moving on these nominees faster. Well, he's, ma- he's na- nominated the acting Democrat chair, Jessica Rosenwasser, for permanent status permanent chairman, and has added as the third Democrat, the fifth commissioner, a woman by the name of Gigi Sohn. Gigi Sohn is a friend of mine. I know her. I, once upon a time, put together two internet policy uh, panels on the Hill in D.C., and she was graciously on both of them. Hmm. Um, and very 
nice lady, but she's crazy policy-wise. She's insane. <laughs> she's a government expansionist of the first order. Um, she served as senior advisor to external affairs, uh, for external affairs, I think that was the name of the title, uh, to the chairman under Obama, uh, Tom Wheeler, mm. way back in 2013. And there's a lot of really shady stuff going on during that time period. Um, Everything's supposed to be public. They, they have these stupid bureaucratic public comment periods, which is where an agency that's going to engage in a power grab has to have a co- one or more comment periods where the public can weigh in mm-hmm. on, on what they're going to do. Well, one of two things happen. The public either weighs in for the power grab and the, the agency champions the vote and says, see, we're doing what the people want. And then they impose the power grab. Or the people say, no, we don't want that. The Bureau ignores the comment period and <laughs> imposes the power grab anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, and this is, of course, this is, this is, sh- this is shady. This is, w- with all this quote-unquote voting by these people, no one remembers, wait a minute, I didn't vote for these people. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no, for example... The big, the big power grab that, sh- that everyone talks about at the FCC is net neutrality. And they're going to do it under title, they're going to shift it from Title I, the Internet from Title I to Title II, which is a much bigger government regulatory regime. Uh, they can tax the Internet like they tax phone lines. It's a huge power grab. And they did it under Obama with uh, Gigi Stone advising, and then it was thrown out. They were, they were going to get thrown out in the courts, I hope. But then Trump won, and just his FCC said, no, we're getting rid of this. Well, net neutrality as a policy, which is dumb and, and a big crony gift to Google and Facebook and Twitter and, and Amazon, um, is there's the, the phrase net neutrality has never, ever been in legislation that, that has been extruded from Congress and signed by the president. Mm-hmm. Which means the FCC can't do it. Mm-hmm. The FCC has to act within the parameters of the law it's handed by Congress. And if they've never mentioned net neutrality, they can't do net neutrality. So what's going to happen now mm-hmm. is these two nominees go before the Senate, and they have to be confirmed by the Senate. Now, it seems that all, 50, all 49 or whatever it is, 48 Republicans, are opposed to Gigi Sohn, as well they should be. She's crazy policy-wise. She's insane. And um, one of the leaders in the Senate on tech is named John Thune. Yep. He's a senator from uh, North Dakota or South Dakota. I always get the Dakotas mixed. Sorry, Dakotas. Um, South Dakota, I think. And he said, yeah, we're okay with Rosenworcel as being made permanent chair, but uh, we got a lot of problems with Gigi Sohn. So it might come down to... Because they could do it. If all 50 Democrats, you know, uh, 49 Democrats, and then the tiebreaker, or 50 Democrats, and then the tiebreaker would be Kamala Harris, they could jam this through. But she may be so radical that the cinema mansion card may be played. Huh. And if one of them votes no, well, then it's over. She doesn't get through. Um, but And just one other shady thing that happened during the Obama administration, they were having a public comment period on the Title II net neutrality power grab that they wanted to engage in. And, of course, the comment period is supposed to be the, the commission listening to the people. 
Right. You know, we're getting public input on what we're contemplating doing. And she tweets during there was a there were protests on both sides organized online. Uh, Don't break the net was the anti net neutrality uh, rally, and um, the internet slowdown was the other. A bunch of big tech companies intentionally slowed down their services, pretending that that's what it was going to be like under without net neutrality, which, yeah. of course, is completely ridiculous because we've never had net neutrality and there's never been a slowdown. Right. So, you know, they're, they're protesting the, inv- the unicorn invasion is what they're doing. There's no problem right. that this solves, um, except theirs, which is they get to then tax the Internet and regulate the Internet in ways they can't now. So Gigi Sohn, from her impartial paid-for-by-us position as external affairs uh, advisor or whatever, tweets, I hope everyone engaged in the Internet slowdown will come and file comments at the FCC. Seton, are you there? I just, I think we just lost Seton. Uh, anyhow, it's a, the, the point is this, that uh, we do not need more regulation. The, the Internet right now is a free market Xanadu, and we should consider and continue in that way. The FCC right now, these nominees that Seton is talking about, would be just so deleterious, so harmful. Uh, to the continuation of free internet usage. And there's some problems on the internet. There's no question about that. But irrespective, government regulation is not the answer. That's for sure. All right, Seton, sorry that, to lose you there on the phone. But uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden. Linda, of course, writes greetings from paradise. She's also my lovely wife. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692 
9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. We have with us Linda Harden. She writes Greetings from Paradise. That's kind of her imprimatur or her official title, but she also does a great job of commentary on everything that's happening in the world right here in the United States and on the Paradise Coast. Linda, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So I guess, uh, oh, by the way, I want to mention, Tucker Carlson has this new video pro- or, uh, series out on January 6th, and boy, the, the left has just gone verklept. They just can't even stand the fact that he's, uh, the only thing he's released is a trailer on it. And well, no, he released he released the first episode last night, and they're, they're going to be running for the next uh, three nights. So um, it it's absolutely blowing up the heads of the people on the left. I'm sure Nancy Pelosi didn't sleep well last night, nor did Lynn Cheney, nor did uh, Jamie Rask and all these people who were on that January 6th committee trying to... Yeah. to uh, to uh, nail uh, Trump supporters for doing this. This is just amazing. Well, I, it's on, on uh, uh, the uh, Fox Nation, which is uh, it's a su- subscription service, but uh, military, first of all, military can get, get the service free. But second of all, Tucker Carlson, because he thinks it's so important that people watch this, and we're going to watch it today. Right. Tucker Carlson has put it on tuckercarlson.com on his website at right. no cost. Well, and you can get you can get th- um, 90 days of Fox Nation for free if you if you just go to tucker, yeah. tuckercarlson.com. And quite frankly, um, we haven't ma- watched I don't think anything except Tucker Carlson's special shows on that that uh, streaming service, but it it's worth it. I mean, it really is worth it. It's so interesting, and Tucker does a great job with the show. Point being is, I think, uh, I, I, we can't give a testimony on because we haven't seen it, but uh, I'm encouraged. I, I know Tucker Carlson does a great job, and this is going to be an expose on January 6th. I think it's going to be worth watching for all of us. So, again, if you want to watch it, tuckercarlson.com. That's one website where you can see it at no cost whatsoever, all three episodes. The first is already posted. Yeah, and, and you know, we haven't seen the first one. Like you said, we've just seen the trailer. But we know about Revolver.News, and we know Darren Beatty and, and all the information he's come up with. Yeah. And Tucker has uh, uh, pin- pinpointed a lot of his information uh, from Darren Beatty's research. So we know it's, it's, it's going to be absolutely revealing. You know what, the left, they're just a bunch of liars. My goodness, they're trying to per- perpetuate this whole notion of an insurrection and the whole notion of uh, these people who have uh, committed crimes on January the 6th. They have over 400 in jail right now, right? And they're being just horrible conditions. They're being, uh, And uh, these people haven't, I mean... Well, Greg Kelly on news, uh, Newsmax last night 
Um, I don't think you were in the room when this guy, he read the letter from this prisoner. Yeah, I, I heard him. Did you? Yeah. And and he said, I'd rather go to Gitmo yeah. the, from the way he's being treated here. And and um, it's, it's, um, it's crimes against humanity. I mean, let me just switch topics here real quick because sure. I, I listened to uh, Robert F. Kennedy do this video, which I sent you. But um, talking about what you said about the politicians lying, he says, my father always told me that the politicians lie. And and he says they're they're lying about everything right now. They're lying about everything. They think we're stupid. What's really interesting about this whole pandemic and this whole lockdown and this whole thing is that we are realizing the people of the United States of America are waking up to the fact that the politicians have been lying to us for years, yep. for years. And and now uh, with regard to the election. Uh, the gubernatorial election in Virginia, the parents are waking up because their kids have been locked in and now they're actually seeing what these people are trying to shove down kids' throats. So whether it's this pandemic has been awful, but it's also been an awakening in so many ways. Yeah, it's, uh, it really is. And uh, now, as I understand it, you listen to the commentary, uh, and there's the Republicans, Democrats, all, a lot of people are voting for Yonkin as opposed to McAuliffe. McAuliffe can't even draw flies to uh, to his meetings. In fact, uh, last night he canceled his meeting in uh, Norfolk or in that area, Virginia Beach. and, uh, and Virginia, Beach, Virginia Beach it was because... Um, there were so many supporters for Yunkin there. He just didn't want to do it. And you know what? The the news media e is even calling him out uh, about um, not Yunkin, but McCaw I love the way this guy calls McAuliffe McAuliffe. Yeah. Uh, but he's talk about politicians lying. This guy is lying about everything. Yeah. He's he's trying to inflate numbers of kids that have come down with COVID. Even Brett Bear on his show last night said, "Wait a minute, that's not true." Yeah. It's just unbelievable. So, anyhow, big day in Virginia. Uh, uh, I hope we're all hopeful that uh, Yonkin is going to win the day, and the state legislature turns from uh, Democrat to Republican. It could be a really uh, inflection point for the Republican Party for politics in America because it could be a precursor to what happens in 2022 with the uh, midterm elections coming up. Uh, we're, we're watching. Well, it, it today is so important because uh, uh, Mon uh, what Mansion um, member came out yesterday and and said that he wasn't voting for this. That he's this, that they're. The, he said this week is a, it's a shell game. He said it's a shell game, and they won't even they won't even show what's really in this bill, and he's not going for it, which blew everything up for them. Meanwhile, Biden's over in. Europe making an absolute fool out of himself in any way you want to. Well, good thing is he's not. He's getting a lot of sleep. <laughs> he fell asleep in one of the meetings for the climate change thing. You can tell the urgency that he feels for for this entire thing. By the way, and I'll just go on the record again of saying that this whole climate change thing is a complete ruse. Uh, the fact what? of the matter is that we've this universe we've uh, the, the Earth has been proven to be 13 billion years of old. We've had Earth or life more than single cell uh, uh, life on the Earth for the last 200,000 years. We've had a couple of ice ages where there's been miles of uh, sheets of ice over the continents, and uh, yet these people want to start fiddling with weather and with climate change. It's just unbelievable, and they want to spend billions of our dollars to do it. Well, and and. It won't make it won't make an iota of sense because guess guess who are the biggest um, 
perpetrators of, of filth in, this, in the planet are China and India, and they didn't even show up at this climate well, that's they didn't right. even say a note saying, "Sorry, we missed it." That's right. It's that's and and oh, by the way, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of it all. How many private jets flew into this climate change thing, burning up how many um, gallons of emission into the atmosphere? Meanwhile, Biden had an eighty-five car uh, entourage. Entourage. I mean, they think we're stupid. No, uh, do they? Yes, they do. But it's it's just all, to to your point earlier. I mean, this is all perpetrated on lies. The premise of this entire thing is just completely foolish. And hopefully, we're going to get back to some leadership that gives us uh, real concerns for real problems about, for example, inflation. And how about what happened in Afghanistan? And how, how about that? Uh, uh, we've got so many problems right now that are real. Why are we fiddling around with quote unquote climate change? All about the money. Follow the money. All about the money. So uh, what do you think the outcome of the election is going to be? I don't know. It's just going to, you know what? I don't, the, the left, they already, they already are trying to steal it because they have 300, uh, boxes of, of 300,000 mail-in ballots that's stuck at the post office, which is a hoot. And this Mark Elias, who has been, who's, uh, been known to cheat in elections in the past, is trying to get those ballots counted. and, and I, I'm anxious to see, and I haven't seen yet, um, the activity at the polls in Virginia, who's, who's taken pictures of that. But the, I was watching Fox and Friends earlier, and they've got this focus group. And everybody in the focus group, Democrats, independents, and Republicans, are all pissed. They're all pissed because of what's happening in the schools. They all want the school boards fired and start over again because the school boards lied to them about these trans the books that are in the libraries, these transgender bathrooms, all this stuff. They're just, they've had it. Absolutely. Well, uh, this is, and this is just a microcosm. This is happening in Virginia with this, these feelings are around the United States and parents are concerned. I think uh, they've, uh, they've provoked the sleeping giant. and they Poked can, the bear. They poked the bear indeed. So, Linda, I just always appreciate your commentary. Oh, time, time just uh, flies by when we're talking, but I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. He's the chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to complete um, continue our conversation about inequality. Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Always interesting conversation with Andy and Larry Bell. Larry is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and he's the author of a couple of books. His latest that's being just uh, republished is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. He's also got a book that he just came out with uh, Buzz Aldrin, co-authored, uh, about uh, outer space, and I'll look forward to reading that one. That'll be released soon. Hopefully we'll find out about that tomorrow as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast. And don't, don't forget this. Let's go, Brandon. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>